Welcome to the Korea Pod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. I'm Kevin Fandel, and I'll be your host for today's episode. I'm talking with Rick Darer. He's a senior finance executive who built his career on solid analytical fundamentals and academic credentials and very quickly garnered a base of experience that brought him to some senior finance levels in companies both large and small, public and private. He has extensive experience in mergers and acquisitions, as well as taking companies public by managing a number of IPOs. Finally, he'll share with us how he leveraged that career as a CFO into a consulting practice where he now works with CEOs, helping them craft business models targeted at turnaround situations, stabilization, growth, and sale. Welcome, Rick. Thanks. Thanks, Kevin, for uh, allowing me to uh, share my experiences and my roles, and and, uh, uh, if I could help others, that'd be great. Um, So let's start with just a look back at your early influences that led to your decision to pursue a career in finance. Uh, sure, I uh, and it's interesting. So uh, my background is not the typical finance background, if there is such a thing as a typical finance background. I actually started as a math major undergraduate. Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, and uh, and so I kind of view it as my career revolved almost like a math equation, a second derivative. Uh, I was always good in math, and so I went to school for that and realized at the end, towards the end of my college years, that I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't want to do computer programming, so, but I liked math, was good with numbers. So I went on for uh, uh, a master's in industrial engineering, which is really applied math if you think about it. Sure, yeah. Uh, at Northeastern on a fellowship, <clears throat> and then joined General Electric in their operational programs, their executive management programs, which I thought was a great application of it. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a couple of years uh, until I realized that I actually, uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like engineering. And all the stuff I was trained for, uh, I, I actually didn't like it. What was worked for me was in GE's uh, career development programs, uh, they offered financial courses, and I had been taking some financial courses on the GE curriculum. Yep. And sure enough, when I finished that and then worked for another couple of years at GE, I realized I really liked that side. That's what I was good at. The numbers, the math, where it all played out was financials. And so I used that uh, and went back for a uh, MBA at uh, Harvard Business School. Mm-hmm. And I did that mm-hmm. in the early 80s. And that was really the difference because when I came out of the business school, I went into the finance career, and that's really where my, my love was. Interesting. Uh, yep. So it, it yep. fit really nicely, and so kind of the lesson out of that is uh, sometimes the career takes a couple of tangents mm. in terms mm-hmm. of how to get there, uh, but, but ultimately you do have to find something that you really, really enjoy or are good at, uh, and then you'll excel at it. And that was your that was the core... Skill set and or was you you were a numbers guy. I was a numbers guy. guy. Yeah. I still yeah. am. Uh, yeah. I joke with my wife, who's a social worker, that she remembers names and stories, and I remember numbers. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, and I have a kind of a photographic memory around it, and have yeah. a way of being able to translate financials into telling the story around what's going on at a company. Uh, and uh, that's kind of one of the key. Key attributes to a really, really successful finance executive is the ability to look at a set of numbers or what's going on in a company and the ability to communicate and tell that story 
to, it could be a board, it could be senior management, it could be the CEO, but the ability to say, to look, let story. me tell you what's going on and tell the story and understand and then be able to take actions on it, that's key yeah. Um, yeah. In, in order to do that. Nice. Okay. Um, so the Harvard MBA then led... So the Harvard MBA, uh, the Harvard MBA, when I came out of the Harvard MBA, one of the best things that happened to me was uh, I took a, a role in the summer in between the first and second year. Uh, I happened to meet an executive uh, networking mm -hmm. uh, at the Harvard Business School. He was there on an executive program. He had a $20 million size technology company in Britain, in the UK, outside of London, about 15 miles west of London. And uh, he needed help trying to figure out something wasn't right, the company wasn't making money in a certain division, and uh, did I ever think about coming over there. And so I actually, for uh, June, July, and August of uh, the summer in between first and second years at Harvard, went over, worked with this guy in a, a computer company, uh, data communications, and helped him work through some some issues and was able to kind of apply what I was learning at the business school mm -hmm. plus yep. the background in operations and engineering that I had both educationally and at GE really came into play and so I was able to combine those and uh, give him what he needed to enable him to see how to make changes operationally that would better help him on a financial model. Nice. Uh, when nice. I came out of that I realized uh, I liked working at GE, it was large and all of that, lots of opportunity, but it was really hard to move the needle. And when I found that the small companies, boy, you can move the needle awfully quick. Wow. And so when I came out of that, I said, uh, I'm going to go and find a technology company. I was in the Boston area, so Boston's loaded with technology companies. Yep. This is the 80s. Yeah. But I want to find a, a company that was, that could take advantage of that where one person could make a difference. That company uh, turned out to be Computer Vision, uh, which was in the CAD CAM area, you know, software, yep. early, early genesis of CAD CAM. Yep. And I was there for 12 years. Wow. It's hard to believe that I was there for that long. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I was there from uh, 82 to 94 mm -hmm. and steadily moved up in the finance, started in, in uh, kind of managing a small group and then worked my way up. Uh, to director of uh, financial operations and then eventually to a group controller where uh, I had about 110 people and we were managing a division. The division was about 550 million in software and some hardware uh, and, a, and it was worldwide, 26 different countries around the world. And nice. so, but it, it took a while to get there. And sure. uh, you know, I think about some of the choices that I made you know, to get, uh, at one point I took a job that I really did not have as much experience, but I could learn on the job, which was really director of financial and accounting. And, uh, but I took it and that led a year later to a group controller role when okay. the group yeah. controller stepped out. And so yeah. part of the lesson is sometimes you, you look at different jobs and figure out what's gonna do best for you in the long term, mm -hmm. even if it may be uncomfortable in the short term. Round out the skill set, get positioned for other things. So yeah, I was nice. there, and huh. part of the reason when I, when I tell people, how did you stay there for 12 years? No one does that anymore. And a lot of it were two different things. One, that company changed, Computer Vision changed over the years. It got bought, it, it went private, it, it, it had been public, it went private, it oh. got bought. And so it went through a lot of uh, 
morphing from one company. So that kept the opportunities open. And the second is good people. Uh, when, when I looked at it, I said, you know, it's always around, uh, I enjoy working with good, sharp people who are down to earth, kind of have my value system or at least similar values uh, so that I could work with her a long time. And, and so that, that kept me there. A lot of, my mentor was there. I worked for him directly on and off for the better part of eight years. Hmm. Uh, and he challenged me in just a lot of different ways, including, you know, uh, for example, I met him for lunch one morning and he said, do you have a visa for Japan? And I said, no. He said, well, why don't you go get one and <laughs> oh. see me when you're done? And so uh, about yeah. a month later, I did that, saw him, and he said, look, he says, I want you to go over in a few weeks over to Japan for two weeks. We can't figure out why we're not making money in that whole uh, area. It was $70 million of revenue. It was relatively big, not making enough margin. And he says, I want you to go over for a week, figure it all out, come up with the recommendations, and I'll come over a week later uh, with the head of international. and." We'll spend some time together and figure out what the right next steps are. So, nice. you know, the ability to challenge you into areas that, you know, you, 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 you know he's going to dump you on your feet and see what you could do. But he had faith that he knew that I had enough skills to come up with the right recommendations and figure it out. And, and we did. And we made some recommendations and, and, and did that. It's a longer discussion, but the whole... Uh, area of mentorship comes up a lot in these conversations and it sounds like you were very fortunate to work for that person at the time in your career when you did and that you had enough behind you in terms of experience credentials etc et um, and they were uh, they entrusted you with some pretty significant opportunity then with the trip to Japan etc so absolutely. Nice. absolutely it's always good to have a couple and I've had a couple of really nice mentors uh, that particular person, and then a friend of the family who was able to help me figure out job situations as I would come to Crossroads because wow. he knew my personal situation, but he also, uh, this other person was also uh, an MBA, MIT undergraduate, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and an MBA really sharp, uh, sharp in his career, uh, but a friend of the family, and so mm -hmm. he also knew the personal side so he could help me when I was at different Crossroads make make at least informed, I don't sure. know if they're always the right, uh, but, but but informed decisions around, have you thought about this and that. So it's always good to have a couple of people in your life that could help you do that. That's right. Uh, so yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. go to kind of, so I was at Computer Vision. Yeah. I left because there was really no more opportunity. The company was shrinking in 94. Mm. And a lot of the good people that I had worked with had left. And okay. so... Um, and I was thinking I could do more. I, at the time, I was a group controller, and I really wanted to uh, target getting into becoming a CFO mm. of, mm -hmm. of, a, of a company. I didn't have real a lot of corporate experience because I was in the division doing this. And so uh, I took an opportunity uh, as a corporate controller for a publicly held company called Sequoia in, mm. in the mid-'90s. And uh, I knew the CFO at the time, and okay. so he hired me in because I had different experience. I've done a lot of uh, mergers and acquisition. I'd done about 15 of them at that point, and wow. I knew this company. This company was looking to buy a company, and sure enough, when I started, you know, they, they, they had uh, an opportunity in front of us. And so not only did I pick up the corporate controller role, but also some M&A and literally got sent out to Texas to do due diligence on a company, yep. Uh, yep. which I did. But it, uh, I realized at that point I really needed to pick up 
better accounting skills and better SEC reporting mm. uh, because the corporate controller for a publicly held company has both of those as the primary responsibility. It may be doing other things, but mm. those are the primary. Yep. And so I realized, and so literally I picked up skills, even though I, I had some accounting, <clears throat> I uh, enrolled in what's called the Becker course. I don't know if it's still around now, but mm. that was the course that all uh, all people that uh, have, uh, that, that want to be a CPA take. Uh, as okay. preparatory for, for, for the exam. For the, for the exam. The exam yeah. And even though yeah. I wasn't going to take the exam, yeah. I realized, boy, that's going to get my fundamentals up to speed. Yep. And so I took that. Uh, okay. And then I also took some courses that NASDAQ offered in hmm. SEC reporting. And so within literally a period of about 12, 18 months, I had really bolstered those two. And those two have served me well yeah. because in order to get to a CFO, uh, you know, one of the things I did was I said, okay, well, what are the 10 different areas of a CFO and what don't I have skills in? Hmm. And I checked those. I tried to figure out how to check those boxes. Uh, so you comment about the the role of the CFO and the 10 areas that are important for, you know, a well-rounded CFO to have under their belt really caught my ear. Can you tell me a little bit, was that an, is that an existing kind of parameter of the CFO role or is it your view of what from your experience, what you were seeing CFOs needed to really be be uh, ready to handle? That's, that's a good question, Kevin. So uh, it, it's actually uh, what I coach up some people when they're looking for different jobs is if you know the role you want to go into, you know, pull two or three different job specs of that role. You can find them certainly out on the web these days and, and take a look and you'll see what the common threads are between all the different roles. And that's what I did. I pulled different CFO job specs and mm-hmm. looked at them and said, oh, looks like here are the eight or 10 different areas that you need to qualify to get that job you would need to get. And so I kind of laid that out and then tried to figure out, even back when I was at Sequoia, of uh, now that I had the corporate controller job, how do I make the next leap? It is difficult getting those three letters uh, in, as part of your title, the CFO. Uh, <laughs> right. and, you know, these days it might be a little bit easier because there's so much opportunity and companies out there looking, but uh, going from a corporate control to a CFO. And when I looked at what the differences were, I kind of figured out that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of it was treasury experience or investor relations or mm. uh, softer skills that you can't get. And I tried to figure out how to put that together and uh, I was able to do that. And um, lucky enough that uh, Sequoia was sold in uh, two years in, mm. um, and a company we'd actually bought, which became bigger than us, and the company was gonna move down to Texas, and uh, I certainly wasn't going to Texas, <laughs> uh, not with a wife up here and, and kids up here already or early on. And yep. so uh, I looked around for a job and I was lucky enough to get a CFO of a small, small, real small company, 80 people, uh, 10 million in revenue up in New mm. Hampshire. Mm. Uh, and you know, life is interesting and I kept thinking, uh, you know, how did I get lucky enough to get this job? It looked like it was hot. It was in the internet video conferencing space. Oh. Well, there was a reason, yeah. and, and that's all good CFOs looked at it and said they're not going near it for a whole variety of reasons. And one of them was the CEO who uh, mm. 
was was not a good character, uh, but I didn't have those skill set yet to do diligence enough and figure that out when I was taking the job. On the other hand, I was in that job for only about a year, and in, during that year, we were able to take that company public. Wow. And so uh, it, you couldn't do that in today's world, uh, but back then it was the internet, it was 1996, and hmm. on, on, a, on a company size of $10 million, we got almost a $200 million valuation, and uh, we yeah. took it out public, and, and, uh, and I left after about a year. Uh, hmm. The CEO was just not a good character enough that I didn't feel comfortable there, and uh, I left of and and within a year that company got sold and the CEO wow. got taken out. And so, uh, yep. however, what it did was it gave me a platform because now I had, I had become my first CFO That's job. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, also taking a company public, and so all of a sudden that opened up just a lot of doors for me. And then over the next, I, I just want to jump in sure. on that chapter, even though it was only a year. You did a lot in that year. And you got tr a tremendous set of credentials. What was it about the way you handled yourself and the way you looked at that role that enabled you to to benefit so much from that year and contribute so much with a going in set of concerns that caused other people to walk away from it or would have totally handicapped someone in as critical position as CFO? So the first is uh, I knew I've always been a hard worker. I got blessed by a work ethic from both my parents. And uh, so when I took that job, I knew that there was a lot of, a lot of fundamentals that had to be built uh, in the finance organization and in processes in the company. And to be able to do that at the same time of going public was the challenge. Uh, I probably worked, uh, on average, I would leave between 8 and 10 o'clock at night. Uh, and that was usually through about Thursday we worked on Thursday nights and Friday nights usually till about 11 o'clock and we were in there on Saturdays and Sundays at the same point. So we worked for, uh, with the exception of, I still remember July 4th and Labor Day, uh, I started there in early June. We took the company out public, actually got it out public the month of, August, uh, month of October. Uh, so we had two days off. Uh, and when I say we, me and a small team of three other financials uh, and a couple of other people in the company. So, you know, that probably other people who had better skill sets or had been CFOs could see what it might in, uh, uh, in, in, entail and could probably read the CEO better than I did and realized how much of a micromanager he was and how that was going to make a, a challenge out of what uh, I was doing as CFO. I did everything from uh, rebuild the whole financial forecasting system uh, to finishing off an acquisition in France, uh, where I went over to France to do that, uh, and getting a couple of years of audits done while we started the IPO process. So it was a challenge, uh, picked up uh, an incredible amount of learning. Sure. In uh, you know, early CFO jobs, uh, my, my coaching for those that are looking for CFO jobs are, if you're in the controller or VP finance world looking to make your first jump, don't look for an A company, you're not gonna get the A company. Hmm. Uh, you're going to get the C plus, and if you're lucky, a B minus company that's going to take work. And the challenge is simply to find out, see if you could figure out, okay, 
what's the work? Is it is it because the company doesn't have the right management team? Is it because the technology is right? Is it the financial side? But most times, taking your first CFO role, you're not going to get the ABA. Mm. You just don't have the experience. That's great. You're up against others, CFOs who do have better experience and have done it yeah. before. And, and have and they themselves might have done the chapter in the C-plus company. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, right. that's right. That was, yeah. My C-plus company, yeah. I lucked out. Uh, yeah. Luck and worked at it, but uh, I was able to take the company public. And so that started me off at a whole nother level. And then I was able to, to get other jobs, including a, a CFO at one point of a company that was $500 million hmm. in size. So I've done them all. Uh, in, including 10 years later, uh, or about nine years later, uh, went to a company, Unica, that was, again, a small company, uh, $15 million when I started, 80 people, but had a great CEO, a good management team, the right software, the right technology. Yep. And uh, I was there for four years, and during that four years, we went from $15 million in revenue to almost $100 million in revenue, I took that company public in 2005. I was then there for about another year and a half. And ultimately, that company, a few years later after I left, got sold uh, to IBM for a half a billion dollars. Hmm. And so, you know, that was really good. I was able to apply a lot. I had been in a couple of other companies in between. So that was, that was my fourth CFO role. And so by then, you know, I, I had a good understanding of what it took. I could walk in and put together a 90-day plan and know where the deficiencies were, what things had to be worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also learned there. I, I learned from a great head of sales, uh, a CEO, and just a good management team. In fact, what, what it taught me at that company was how functional teams can get just so much done. Uh, good to great, you know, the, the book, uh, Good to Great, uh, I, I think it's Cook, I, I, I think that's who wrote it. Uh, but it's a great book, and it talks about functional teams. And, uh, you know, and so uh, when I started to look at different companies, that's one of the things I looked for. How functional is the team? How dysfunctional is the team? And, you know, it. I always tell people, uh, you know, I hate to say this, fire quickly, hire slowly, mm. uh, and also take a job slowly. Uh, because that enables you to do due diligence. Uh, you know, you're taking a job, it's going to be, you know, you have more risk than the company does because right. uh, you're putting everything you got into it. The company could always take you out and find sure. another one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so spending time in seeing a lot of people interview in people's offices, not in conference rooms because you want to know what they're all about. And that's, you know, you want to see what they have up on their wall and their bookshelf and, and how they are. Because that's how they'll be in meetings. And then I was able to, to kind of roll that into the next company, which was at that time, that was the beginning of software as a service and SaaS. And, and I went to a company called Gomez that was uh, did internet uh, infrastructure testing uh, from outside the firewall. And they had great companies like Amazon and Yahoo at the time. And Best Buy and United and all these larger companies and a good CEO uh, and I was able to go there and again a great run four years we grew that company from again about 15 million to about 75 80 million dollars in bookings we filed to go public and uh, when we did that we had some interest from a couple of companies 
and ultimately we sold after we cleared the SEC. But before going out, uh, we sold. Uh -huh. So that was a good run. I was there for four years, got to build uh, again, uh, built up good finance teams as if we were ready to go public, which we were, uh, but we sold that in 2009. Mm. Uh, and uh, so that, that was my last kind of full-time CFO role. Any thoughts on the the differences in running a finance organization or being the senior finance person in uh, established, probably larger, but an established and almost always public companies versus the smaller, the evolving, the earlier stage private organizations? Uh, sure. Well, first of all, I, I, I probably should talk about uh, the difference about being number two versus number one. Uh, Yep. of a VP finance co corporate controller versus a CFO, mm. it is you step into the hot seat. There's, there, there, there is no, you know, what was that song? <laughs> nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're in the board meetings. Mm. Uh, you need to have command of the numbers, command of your presence. You're dealing with board members. If you're a public company, you're dealing with investors uh, who have literally put millions of dollars to work in your company. And CFO roles are not for the faint of heart. Uh, you really have to have uh, a good integrity and in, in the ability to kind of stand on your own feet. And uh, you're supporting a CEO uh, from the financial side and the eyes and ears, uh, but you're on, the, you're on the firing line, so to speak, sure, and, yeah. and so you have to recognize that. Yeah. Uh, difference in larger and smaller companies is always interesting. But you, uh, you find you, you find your comments a minute ago apply across the spectrum. Of, it, it applies across the spectrum. Okay. okay. Uh, there there are a lot yeah. of things that you're doing. Uh, the smaller companies, which in the end I, I actually enjoyed more. Smaller being, I would say anywhere from twenty million to seventy five million versus over a hundred million or a couple of hundred million. The difference is, uh, I always like to put my hands in. Uh, I'm a doer. Uh, and so even though I might have large teams of 20 finance people in a company that might be 50 or 60 million, uh, I'm on the ground and I could actually see the processes and all of that. When you get into these larger companies, and I was CFO of a company that was 500 million, I had 250 people working for me in 20 locations around the world. Mm. Yeah. It's different. Uh, you know, you, you, you're depending on others to make sure the processes are running right, you're, you're, you're a step away right. uh, from it. Right. Uh, and even though it's interesting, I found it uh, less uh, enjoyable, hmm. Uh, hmm. at least personally. I and mean, you really found a way to tell the story of a company with the numbers. Um, did you find yourself uh, less comfortable with having to tell the story with the numbers because you were getting other people's story of their numbers and you had to aggregate and there was just yeah, too much buffer of, from yeah, your, that's a, your working with the numbers? <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to say it. You are spending more time mentoring others and building a larger organization and worried about you know, longer you know, processes and uh, it just wasn't on the uh, enough on the ground for me. And mm. so, uh, you know, that's, uh, and, and again, uh, good company, that company grew from 500 to 700 million. Sure. Uh, it did hit the wall because it, we went to take it public right in the middle of the bubble when the bubble burst in uh, 2000. Yeah. And uh, we, were, yeah. we were literally, we had filed what's called REDS, 
which it's called red herrings. It's the it's the version of the S1 uh, that you uh, we had actually printed 38,000 copies of that, and the market was falling apart. And in the end, we had to pull the IPO uh, and put it on the side. And ultimately, it wasn't just a one month as everyone got nervous. No, it was a that 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 technology market really burst right. and ultimately right. we had to sell that company a couple of years later for a fraction of probably about 30 percent of what we were going to take it out for that's, uh, what, that's what happened in those times that's, that's right. what happened that's right uh, but that led me to Uniker, and then the rest was was so to speak history because yeah. uh yeah. you know things have a way of 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 bouncing right and so uh yeah uh but the last part of my career mm-hmm. Uh, which was when we sold Gomez in 2009, we did what was called dual track. And a dual track in an IPO is you, uh, we had had the IPO on for a while. If, if you remember the 2007 and 2008 sure. oh, yeah. was, was a recession, not a recession, but it, it, the credit markets melted down and the financials. Right. Right. And we had filed to go public a year before and put it on hold because clearly there was no appetite. Mm-hmm. When the markets came back in 2009, we picked it back up and we refiled to go out that summer. And it was we were also looking at finding exclusive resellers and we were dealing with uh, HP and IBM and CompuWare and a couple of others. And that's what happened as we both worked on the IPO but also in filed but also work with these, you know, one of them, which was CompuWare, actually realized that what we did complemented what they did uh, very well. Uh, we were we were strong in uh, data operations internal, and they were they they on on outside the web. They were inside the web. Long story short, uh, they made a verbal offer for us um, in late August. And the CEO and I, there were only three people that knew in the company that we were going to do this. But mm. we literally, as we negotiated with them, we literally went to see uh, three other companies, actually four other companies, sorry, uh, and to see if we could get offers from the others. And in the end, we did get a couple of offers, uh, but we came back to CompuWare as the, as as the right value and the most assured that a deal would get done. Mm. And so the board elected to go with them. And, and ultimately, in November, we closed the deal to sell to CompuWare. Wow. And I left. I stayed. But they had a large, uh, they were a large company. Their CFO was in Detroit. I wasn't moving to Detroit. Right, right. And so ultimately, I left at the end of that December. I took six months off and realized that I really didn't want to do a full-time CFO anymore, but I liked that area. It was good in that area. So I, uh, again, chance, uh, these things have a way of evolving, and you have to recognize when the opportunities come your way. I met with the CEO of a company in May of 2010, a company called Dyn, D-Y-N. We had looked at buying them about a year earlier, but they wanted too much money, and so we weren't really in the same neighborhood of valuation. However, uh, the CEO contacted me and wanted to know how the Gomez transaction ultimately got sold because he was in a similar uh, space, market space, of DNS, uh, which was kind of in the Internet. And I met with him for a couple of hours, and we actually ended up spending uh, probably an hour, an hour and a half on his company. And I was just giving him different advice and all of that, and at the end of that conversation, uh, he said, wow, that was really helpful. Do you want to come up and spend a few days with us? They were up in Manchester. 
and just kind of help us on a quick consulting basis. Yeah. And that is how I made the step over. Wow. I did that for three days, uh, uh, not three days in a row, but three days over the course of about six weeks yeah. Uh, yeah. where I would go up, spend the time with them, give them some analysis and everything from uh, valuation models to sales productivity to a lot of different areas that they needed help on. There were a small company, 34 people doing about $6 million in bookings, uh, trying to grow about 30 40%. And ultimately, I signed on to consult for them for the better part of probably 18 months. Wow. Not full time. Yeah, this yeah. is, you know, yeah. my gigs tend to run uh, like a day a week or a day and a half a week. Yep. And that yep. launched my consulting practice. Wow. And then I realized, wow. To what degree were you thinking of or contemplating consulting being in the next chapter? It was in the back of my mind. Yeah. I figured I'd do that and board seats. And I did yep. take, yep. Uh, I kind of networked around and ended up on two board seats of private companies at that time known. It was interesting. All the communications and everything I would get was still for CFO jobs because that was what I was known in the Boston area for. Right. And right. it takes a while to convert how you're perceived into what you want to be perceived as. You know, it's branding. You know, These right. days, it'd be right. a little bit easier. You put up a website. Back then, it wasn't quite. That was 10 years ago, 12 yeah. years ago, and uh, all that. Uh, but I was thinking about boards and consulting. I just didn't really know if it would you know make sense and uh and it did uh, and then i realized okay now uh i've always viewed whether it's a company i work for that you know one person should be able to make a difference i want to be able to make a difference at the company i work at consulting even though people say well it's consulting so you're not really in the company however the consulting that i ended up doing and now I've kind of perfected it a little bit because I've done work for almost 25 companies uh, has been uh, I need to find a CEO that is willing to take advice mm -hmm. uh, and take action uh, and what I do well is I work on companies uh, business models and financial models so most companies don't Every, every single company, even person, has a business model, even if it's just in mind. They right. know how they make money, what they bring to the table, yeah. and all of that. And the real question for companies is, do they have that business model perfected? Most do not. Most don't see it clearly. You know, how do they grow revenue? How do they make money at the bottom line? What's, what's, what's that model? How does that translate into what's the financial model of that? What's the business model? What are the operating characteristics? How do they perfect that? How do they keep that going? And that's where I, I spend all, almost all my time is, is working with companies that either are trying to perfect it or it's broken. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so turnarounds, it's like, okay, this model's not working. Yeah. Uh, why yeah. isn't it working? How do I scale? Or it could be working well. How do I scale the company? How do I get from 100 to 200 to 300 people? Yeah. And what are the changes that have to happen? I've seen that a number of times, yeah. both as a CFO and now as a consultant. And so I could I could do that well, hmm. uh, but it really starts from CEOs that are receptive, uh, and I've turned down a few consulting assignments because I've met with the CEO a couple of times and walked away with the conclusion that this is not going to work. Wow. What I bring to wow. the table, yeah. I may bring it to the table, but I don't think it's going to be 
used or received well, and so I'll step mm. away from it if I don't think it's going to be the right mix. I mean, it has to be yeah. the value that I bring has to work out well, or it's, or it's not going to be a fit. I mean, the telltale sign for me has been, and a two out of three engagements always have multiple statement of works. I have two clients at the moment. Usually I have between two and three clients. That's kind of what I could handle. More than that gets to be unwieldy, Mm -hmm. and I'm not really, I I can't handle it well. Uh, And so, uh, but in both these, I'm on my third statement of work for both of them. And so what happens is you go in, usually you do a scoping project that might be three to four weeks or a month or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then... You deliver some results, and it either doesn't go anywhere because what they wanted, they got, and they check in the box. It's great. Uh, or in most of these cases, it turns out to be okay. Now that I understand what you can really do, I also uh, have this area. Can you, you know, can you help me on this I area see. or okay. that area or something like that? And I did work for a company. Uh, it's in uh, Birmingham, and I did it. Uh, I came into that company because the. Chairman, uh, an operating partner at a private equity called me up and said, hey, I've got a company I want to buy. It's up in Milwaukee. I've got a CFO of the existing company, but he doesn't have bandwidth to really handle it. Can you do that? So I did that and helped him yeah. do due diligence, uh, buy the company, integrate the company. And at the towards the end of that, uh, the primary company missed its numbers. And so the operating partner said, hey, I actually need you to step in and go look at why did they miss the numbers, what fell down on the forecast. Wow. And so things expand, yeah. especially if they know your background and your skill set, yeah. uh, it expands. Wow, great. Um, so looking back over your career, what do you think are one or two characteristics that have made you successful over such a, a diverse career? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. We're all brought up to be modest and all that, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. but thinking, you know. But so I, I go yeah. back to what we were talking about earlier, which is so inherently, I I, I have good analytical insights. Uh, being able to figure out what 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 is going on mm-hmm. at a particular place or company or or product or revenue or something like that, the ability to look at a set of numbers and walk away and say, I got it. I understand mm-hmm. kind of what's going on here. Okay. And the second part is the ability to communicate that uh, okay. and tell that financial story to the operating executive, uh, someone running a product line, a chairman, a CEO, or something like that. Say, hey, I've looked at the business, and here's what I take away from it, mm-hmm. and then here's what I think the next steps are, and then be able to take, and here's what I think the actions are to, to, to remedy Whatever it might be going on, or to or to keep it going mm-hmm. if it's if mm-hmm. it's going well, and 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 you know that is a skill set that I think good CFOs have, and, and for me, good consultants have, mm. uh, because that's really what I do. I, I could go in quickly and uh, make an assessment, walk away, and then communicate what it what it means yep. uh, for the business. To in most cases, it's the CEO. Yeah. Nice, great. Um, how have you consciously, or maybe not as consciously, how have you cultivated your network over your career? So uh, let me talk about when I was a CFO or in jobs, mm-hmm. and then I'll talk about consulting because they're, they're slightly different. Okay. 
when I would look for a job and when I coached and I still kind of every now and then if you've worked for me and been part of my finance teams I'll always kind of you know you know work with you and sure. if, you, if you're looking for it. and what I always yeah. tell people is uh, if you're looking for a job you know who would be your top six references and those are probably your best people to network through because they know what you could do they know they mm. you know, all of that now Fred's always Fred Sussex always taught me that you know you always get surprised at the people who will help you the people who thought you would help and then they don't help but you got to give it a try and you always try with where are you and it's a game of numbers however you more than likely going to hit something if you start with people who you who are your champions and so i would always network when i was job searching through the people who i thought would be my best references nice um and 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 it is a game of numbers but uh i always tried to make it less numbers than you would have to do by contacting those uh, people and then go from there and mm-hmm. second secondary contacts and all of that. Right. Uh, it, it even has worked out in my consulting. I realized year one, which was 2010, uh, and I went back and looked at, because I would keep track of it, uh, I had 200 meetings that year with different people. That Now that, that by then, 2006, I had been in the finance career for 25 years and I could reach out to investment bankers commercial bankers people in insurance uh, you know all the different parts of that a CFO would come into contact not only and CEOs Mm -hmm. and board members and all of that and so when I wanted to change how I was known in the Boston area from a CFO to a consultant I realized I was going to have to meet a lot of people, and I met almost 200 people that year, uh, and that and ultimately got me uh, two more consulting, two two board seats, and started me down the consulting path. Um, you know now, and and I did that the next year. I I met not as many meetings, but I still had a lot of meetings. And by then, after about two years. Uh, I wasn't getting many CFO calls, you know, hey, I got a job for you. I was getting more of, hey, uh, I've got a situation. I don't know if this is exactly what you do, but let me tell you about the situation. And, you know, it became serendipitous every time I would, and I I don't have a website. Every time I thought about putting up a website, (laughs) I do have a name, a card, Skullpair Partners. uh, And Skullpair, by the way, is Latin for to architect or to carve or to model and because that's really what I do I really go into companies and try and figure out what's the business model what's the financial model where do they need help sometimes it's finance teams but a lot of times it's just trying to understand that Mm -hmm. and 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 help them make transitions Uh, these days uh, my networking is way down (laughs) <laughs> I only have a couple of meetings a month. And part of that was I realized where all my leads come from. I don't have a lot of unnecessary meetings. And mm. so, um, you know, it, 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 I realized. So, so business is coming to you. you don't, so business comes to me. That's business, more business comes to you. How do you decide which assignments you want to take? Part of it's being able to move the needle, I think you mentioned in another context, yep. earlier yep. discussion. And part of it is your sense of 
person you're going to be working for, usually the CEO. Anything else in terms of what says, okay, I'll, I'll sign on to this? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think there are a couple of things. So, so my, my business model <clears throat> is that I'm not a part-time CFO or a CFO that goes in, if you've got a temporary, I'll go in for three, four months. No, instead, I like to have several clients going on at the same time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where I'll spend anywhere from four or five hours a week up to two days a week uh, doing work for the CEO uh, in an area that you know they may, they may need help. Yep. And so yep. I've turned down a couple of assignments where that came out of private equities where, hey, we need someone in this role for three months straight. Uh, okay. And my issue with that is, well, I have other clients right. and I can't do a quote, full-time for three months, even if it's a temporary right. kind of gig. Right. The, the second has to do simply with, you don't get paid enough money doing those roles. Because uh, a lot of them, they say, oh, well, it's a CFO. If I pay X amount of dollars, I'll divide it, and on a weekly basis, I'll pay you that. Hmm. No, that's not <laughs> how I make my money, so to speak. Right. Uh, right. And so I try, I figured out what my business model is and how to maximize it. Hmm. Uh, and the only time I've turned down a couple of assignments has really been uh, because of either that, they really wanted someone more on a full-time basis, or the CEO. Mm. And yep. I just would, would, and I could now make that assessment in an hour meeting, because uh, yep. I, I only do one meeting with the company. If, if I get, usually I, I'm coming in by reference. Almost Perfect. every single one of these is in by reference now. Yep. And I'll spend an hour and a half with that person the first 45 minutes is explaining my background to this person who I may not know directly, right. but it's coming in through a reference. Right. And usually it's a CEO that I'm meeting for the first time. But I'll have done the research on the company. I'll understand all about the company. And I'll understand how to take my background and explain my background with a lens that applies to that company. Nice. And... Nice. If, I do, if I've done that right after about 45, 50 minutes most, and I really time it, I'll look at my watch and I'll say, Chris, how can I help you? Mm. And turn it into, what are you looking for now? Where's the help you need? And we'll spend the next 30 minutes going through that, and then we'll spend the last 15 minutes of an hour and a half meeting uh, scoping out what the project is. Mm. And then I'll come back and... I'll deliver a, a, a by phone or by email. Yeah. You know, I'll deliver. Here's kind of what the project is, the, the statement of work, and and we'll agree or not agree on terms. Usually, I'll have already talked about terms at the end of that, hmm. and I only do one meeting. One so I've, meeting. I've only one done. Meeting. Yeah. One, wow. My sales model is I, I now know in the places where I've done multiple meetings, it doesn't work. And usually in the first 45 minutes when I'm talking about my background and also the next 30 minutes talking about what they need, I'll actually have delivered enough free services and advice that they get it hmm. uh, because I'll, I'll have presented things they may not have thought about or views that they may not have uh, kind of taken that view on. Yeah. Uh, and so I'll have shown kind of my value add already in that first meeting. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so the times where I've done two meetings so I no longer do two meetings. If I can't get to what the project is, what the scope is, and a way of, of kind of how we're going to get it paid and the mm -hmm. time frame in that first hour and a half, yeah. then usually I, I won't go back in. 
right. uh, and right. do that. It, it doesn't pan. Where would you where would you pin your career on a scale of one to ten in terms of your satisfaction mm -hmm. with what you've accomplished in your professional life? Well, first of all, I'll I'll, uh, I'll answer that in a second. I had a Harvard Business School professor who, you know, a lot of them really gave you jewels to think about, and one of them, uh, and he said, look, he says, in whatever you're going to do, you have to love the drudgery of it. He said, the hmm. glory everyone loves, <laughs> but there's a lot more drudgery than there is glory in most jobs. And so in whatever profession or career you go into, yep. you, you have to make sure you love the drudgery because uh, then you'll know you do well. And I, I've always thought about that. I love the numbers. I like working on financial models. I like looking at the analysis. So I've always loved the drudgery of it. The glory, certainly, everyone loves, whether yeah, it's yeah. going out to get a company public or yeah, working yeah. with CEOs on boards. There's always glory. Yeah. But the drudgery is, is a lot more. And so yeah. when I look at my career, I say, well, I think that worked out well because, no, I, I, I again, I, in, in hindsight, is there anything else I would, you know, I always thought about, oh, maybe fun to be an investment banker. And then I stayed close to investment bankers and I realized what they did. And I didn't think they really, they do help companies in a different way. But no, I like the CFO roles. Those, those have done well. And the consulting that I now do, which is different parts of a CFO role, uh, different parts of financial modeling or helping a company or, or just general business advisory work mm -hmm. for CEOs and boards, because I've been brought in by several boards into companies to help them think through different uh, options that yeah. the company might have. Yeah. That's, been, that's been fun. It's, it's been financially successful for me, uh, as well as uh, you know, just a, a well-being and uh, in, enjoy what I do. So it sounds like a, a, a good number. A good, yeah, <laughs> a it's, good a, number. it's a high number. It's a high I, number. I, I, you know, I, I don't know what the number is. That's great. But it's, That's it's a high number on the scale. The fact that uh, I've now been consulting, I've been doing it for, uh, this is like down the seventh or eighth year, yeah. you know, yeah. 23 companies uh, yeah. and about to take on the 24th, uh, depending on how today goes. <laughs> Ultimately, it's been... Uh, it's been, Every time I think about, okay, I need to put up a website because I'm just, you know... It, it, it all comes by reference, and right. so uh, right. you know, that's, that's the telltale right. side. Right. That's great. Well, this has been a great conversation. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Rick Dare, um, senior finance person with a great perspective on uh, a career in finance and both inside companies and as a consultant, and it's worked out tremendously successfully for him. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you.